0: All right, you guys, I am currently struggling with a pinched nerve in my neck, and if you have ever had one, you know the pain. So I am feeling super thankful for today's sponsor, Tanasi. Tanasi's CBD, CBDA is two times better than CBD alone and better than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. It helps soothe and relieve my aches and pains like my pinched nerve, and it's great for sleep and anxiety, so I put it on right before bed. Tanassi was discovered by a team of chemists and biologists at Middle Tennessee State University and 5% of all revenue is given back to the university partner for ongoing research. It is THC-free and comes in a range of products. I love the topicals, but you can also choose from soft gels, gummies, and tinctures. Satisfaction is guaranteed. Try Tanassi for 30 days, and if you don't love it, you get a full refund. Go to Tanasi.com and use code MOM to get 25% off at checkout. That's T-A-N-A-S-I.com to get 25% off your first order with promo code MOM. Start ritual or add Essential for Women 18 plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com forward slash sober mom for twenty five percent off. Hi, welcome to the Sober Mom Life Podcast. I'm your host, Suzanne of My Kind of Sweet and the Sober Mom Life on Instagram. I don't consider myself an alcoholic, you don't have to either, and maybe life is brighter without alcohol. I hope you will join us on this journey, and I'm so excited to get started. Hello, happy Friday. Welcome to our special episode of The Real Sober Mom Chats. It's like The Real Housewives, but without the booze and the bad drama and the fillers. (laughs) How's that? I have heard so much feedback about the Sober Moms. You guys love the stories from real moms who are in it, who are figuring out, who are maybe sober curious. They're talking about their journeys. And that's what this is. We are bringing you moms from the Sober Mom Life Cafe. All of these moms connect over there If you wanna come and join us, it's $15 a month and you get, first of all, you get to sign up to share your story on the Real Sober Mom chat and I am just opening up my September calendar. So that link to join the cafe is in the show notes. You also get weekly Zoom meetings. You get Discord chat where you can chat with moms just like you all day long. Book club, you get bonus podcast episodes. It's just a huge party over there. Come and join us and... I know you will enjoy this episode of the Real Sober Mom Chats. Melissa, welcome to the Sober Mom Life podcast. I'm excited to have you.
1: Thank you.
0: Yes, I'm excited to hear your story. So before we talk about sobriety, let's talk about alcohol. So what's your alcohol story? It's a big question.
1: Right. Yeah. And I've been thinking about it a lot. I mean, I've always had this kind of love hate relationship with it. I think my whole life, I loved being the fun girl, but then the shame spiral of it. It's just always been bad. So I mean, I started like a lot of young. I don't remember like my first drink. I think it was probably middle school. Where
0: in the country are you?
1: I'm in Arizona. Okay. So I grew up in a really small town called Cape Creek, which is like north of Phoenix. Like one school, everybody knows everybody and all the kids drank at all the kids party. It's just kind of what everybody did. I remember going to my first high school party it was the summer between eighth grade and starting high school yeah and we'd have these desert parties and people would bring kegs out there and oh my god kegs in the desert drinking oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah actually we used to call them like so there, there were these spots that were like federal land so it would be like party at the feds. oh
0: my god that's hilarious <laughs> Yeah, You were like, you guys, I have the best idea. Like, this is completely (laughs) illegal. Let's just make it more illegal. That's so fun. (laughs) That's so the mind of a a 15, 16, 17-year-old. Oh,
1: totally. Yeah. And so it kind of went on, like, all through high school, the binge drinking and the partying. And when I was a senior, my best friend, she was going to school at ASU, which is in Tempe. And so on the weekends, I would go spend the night at her house, at her apartment, and go to college parties with her as a 17-year-old.
0: Oh, wow. And ASU is a big party school, right? Like, isn't that what they're known for? Courtney Kardashian oh, yeah. went there, right? That's how I know about it.
1: I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I think she did.
0: You guys, I don't know. Fact check that, but I think she did.
1: Yeah. I, like, pretty much, like, almost everybody that I know has gone there, because it's just close to, yeah. to home here. So Yeah.
0: So you were just, like... In with the drinking crowd, you were like, cool, okay, this is what we do. We drink to blackout, and then we kind of recover and do it all over, right?
1: Yeah, and I was always a super anxious person, yeah. so it just really, you know, I used it for, for the anxiety. It helped me to just feel like, you know, comfortable, go out and not, not care. care yes, anything, right? yes. Yeah.
0: And and for those of us who struggle with anxiety, not caring is really fucking powerful, right? When yeah. you care too much, Yeah.
1: So that's kind of how it went on for a while. I think I met my husband when I was 19, and we got married when I was 21. So very young, and I got pregnant right away. Okay. That was super scary. Yeah. <laughs> I felt so young. Like, all my other friends were still in high school, still partying, you know, when I had a baby. So yeah. I really stopped drinking through all of that time, and it was just a really different mindset. It wasn't like, I'm not drinking. Because I don't want to drink, or because of alcohol, it was more just like I was just so scared, <laughs> you know. Like this new mom, I was so young, I was so nervous about everything with him. I just felt also probably part of this feeling of needing to sort of prove myself because I was so young. Like, oh no, I, I'm going to be a good mom. I'm mm. not going to party. So I really stopped drinking for a long time during that time. You know, I had him. I. I nursed him for over a year, and then I had my second son. So by the time I was, like, 25, I already had two kids. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) That's like a baby. And now you look back now and you're like, oh, wow,
0: I was a baby. Because even at 25, we don't feel like babies. But now from where you – how old are you now? Right. I'm 39. (laughs) Yeah. So you're like, holy shit, I was 25. Yeah. Yeah. And new motherhood is, like, so – difficult anyway but like to still be you're still growing your brain is still developing at 22 and at 25 like how yeah
1: that was really hard and it was a really lonely time too because people my age didn't have kids yeah and then people that did have kids looked at me like, who's this young girl with kids? Yes. Like, like teen mom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Totally. <laughs> I used to watch that show and I was like, I totally like felt, even though I was older than them, I still felt like on their level, you know? Yes, yeah totally.
0: Yeah. That's interesting that, you know, I think probably a lot of people would see that and then you turn to alcohol because of the stress of motherhood and new motherhood and everything hey. that, like that but you were kind of going into it like no you know what i'm going to prove that even though i'm young i can do this and so to you that meant really taking alcohol out of the equation
1: yeah and it wasn't even like i really thought about it like i said it was so much as just it just kind of happened i was so overwhelmed i was so scared of everything that i was going to like do something wrong That to add that into it, it would have been like, I just, you know, I was so scared. Yes. (laughs) So when my son, my oldest son was four and my youngest was one, he got really sick and he ended up getting diagnosed with type one diabetes. Oh, that's so hard. Yeah. That was really scary. Also, like, I think that probably was one of the worst days of my life. And we ended up in the hospital for a while. And then you go home with him and it's kind of like taking home a newborn again. Yeah. You're having to give him shots and test his blood sugar and wake up in the middle of the night to check on him. And you always think something's like he's not going to wake up or something's going to happen. And so honestly, it was like a grieving process for me. Like I cried all the time. I felt like he had lost his childhood. Hmm. It's like you're grieving this. And he's never going to have a normal life. That's how it felt at the time, you know. It was kind of after that, that I started drinking again. I just felt like so overwhelmed with it. And, you know, I probably should have gone to therapy or figured out some other way to cope with it, but I didn't. And so, you know, that's kind of when the alcohol slowly started coming back in. And I still wasn't like a daily drinker, but every time I drank, it was too much. There was never any such thing as just having one or two. It's like, if I'm drinking, am drinking a lot kind of a thing. Yeah. So. And then it always was the shame spiral the next day of why can't i just have one or two? Why can't i just drink like everybody else? Why do i always have to have more than everybody? That damn Breaking spiral. Up and always thinking somebody's mad at me. oh <laughs> like, somebody's mad at me. What did i do? Texting people like you know oh, I'm sorry. Or, you know, do I embarrass myself? And people would always be like, oh, no, you're fine. You know, and then you'd be like, okay.
0: (laughs) Oh, my God. Yes. I think we all know that feeling. That's like the worst. I want to go back to something you said, because you said, you know, I know I should have gone to therapy. And it's like, You're a young mom. You have two kids with this new diagnosis. You're scared out of your mind, right? You're overwhelmed. That's taking up your time, your energy. Like, going to therapy is a big task. (laughs) I think a lot of times people just say, like, okay, well, go to therapy. And then and it's like, hold on. Like, first of all, how do I do that? What? Like, that seems like a really big undertaking. And so it totally makes sense to me why you didn't do
1: that. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, you know, something is like, I just never learned any other coping skills ever my whole life. I mean, I just don't think anybody, did, any of us did back then. I mean, I know like my kids now they learn about mindfulness and all these things in school and about their feelings. And I never learned about any of that stuff. And I wasn't even 30 yet. I had two kids and dealing with this diagnosis and I didn't know what any of it, any of these feelings meant or anything. I was just kind of overwhelmed and just so it was it was honestly like going through a, a a loss almost, like grieving it. You know, and we didn't have the technology back then that we have now to take care of it. So it was really hard. And I never slept, you know, you're you're up all night checking on him. Yeah. So it's just drinking, you just It's that escape. It's like I can shut my mind off finally.
0: Yeah. You know? I hope looking back you can give yourself grace because, like, to go to therapy during that time, I I don't know who who could do that. Generally, I I don't know. Maybe I have to ask my mom about this. But I would think that generally people go to therapy once things calm down and then you can kind of like – you're like, oh, okay, let me try and make sense of, like, all of this shit, right? But I don't foresee – unless it's, like, a dire situation – Someone as their life is just like super chaotic and overwhelming. Be like, you know what I need to do? I need to take some time. And first of all, find a therapist. First of all, make sure it's a really good fit, and then dive into my childhood. It's like, no, no, no. What's a fix? Like, h- how can I today, like, not care so much and and get help?
1: Right. Well, and I think, and as a mom too, you're not thinking about yourself. All I'm thinking about is how am I going to take care of him and what does he need and his medical but also his mental needs for this because it's a huge burden on him too you know so you're just thinking about that. oh so true yeah so it kind of just went on like that for many years of just never being a daily drinker but doing the weekend drinking the social drinking anytime we got together with friends and it would always just be too much and there was always these points of time where I'd be like oh I'm so embarrassed or I did something so stupid and I would stop for a while, but then you'd go back to it and it just went on like that kind of pretty much until COVID, you know, it was just sort of like just a social thing, but it was always more than I wanted. And I just always had this feeling of not being able to control it. And then of course, when COVID came around and we were all home all the time, it was like this permanent vacation in the beginning. And so, you know, the daily drinking kind of started the, Every night, happy hours, you know, I'm with the kids all day long and we're homeschooling and and all these things. And then at night, they wanted to go get on their electronics and, you know, FaceTime with their friends or do video games because that's the only way they can socialize. So that's fine. And then my husband and I have our time to, you know, sit around and have happy hour and have drinks. And then it just kind of becomes a nightly habit. Yeah. You know? So, yeah.
0: And you're not alone in that. You know, like, if you've listened to any of these, like, this is the theme that keeps coming up again and again. And this is why we need to keep talking about it and keep saying, like, you are not alone because that is what happened.
1: There have been so many of these episodes that I've listened to where I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is just like me, you know? And that's kind of part of the reason why I wanted to do this because everybody else's stories have helped me so much. Hearing that so many other people feel the same way as you, um, it just really helps because I always, always thought like it was just me because, you know, my husband drinks and he would always be like, well, just don't drink so much, (laughs) you know, like it's an easy thing to do. And I'm like, it's not easy for me to do that. No, it's not
0: easy for a lot of people. And that's the substance. It's an uncontrollable substance. Right. And some people have have more willpower around it and, and are able to. I think that it is like a threshold of willpower and like, okay, well, how much mental energy are you willing to like put into this and how much willpower and determination are you willing to put into this to control your behavior around this uncontrollable substance? And we all have different answers to that. For a lot of us, it's like, well, not that much. (laughs) Like, I don't want to be in this tug of war anymore.
1: Or in the beginning of the night, it's easy to say I'm only going to have Two drinks, but then once you have those two drinks, you don't care anymore. Right,
0: because then the alcohol does its thing. Like, impulse control is gone, and it's addictive, and your tolerance has gone up. And so, like, all of these things make it just crystal clear why moderation is such a fucking losing game it's so hard yeah
1: yeah so that's it really ramped up during covid we had these neighborhood happy hours you know where everybody would go out in their driveways and drink and we kind of made some neighborhood friends that we continued the friday happy hours with and I would look so forward to those because it was my only time to socialize with other people. Yes. I half the time would have a drink or two before I would even go out because I would just be like amped up and excited like to go out, you know. Yeah. So, And then as things kind of slowly started getting back to normal for everybody else and the kids went back to school and, you know, I'm a stay-at-home mom and everybody else went back to work. So things had really changed too much for me. And so I had kind of set up that daily drinking habit already where then it was like every night drinking wine there would be so many nights where I'd be like no I'm not gonna drink tonight but then the night would come around and you would so it was just kind of that I mean I wasn't getting drunk every night but it would be like every night during the week you have some wine a few glasses of wine while you're drinking dinner enough to make you feel like crap and have a headache the next day and then on the weekend it would always be more and then there would be like the bad hangovers and waking up at 3 a.m. with anxiety, and all the things. <laughs> and but there was never a point where I ever like thought that I would stop either. And then uh, uh, last June, I got a shoulder injury and I don't even know what I did. I think I did something working out. But honestly, I think it is the thing that has saved me because I was still drinking all the time then. And I hurt my shoulder and I was in a ton of pain. And I ended up having to have surgery. And so it sort of. Forced me to stop drinking because I was on pain pills and I had to get ready for the surgery and it just kind of forced me out of my cycle Mm -hmm. and once that happened I was like oh my god what am I doing like this drinking is making me feel terrible I mean you just once you're kind of pulled out of it it just you don't realize how bad you feel until you're out of it yeah (laughs) no yeah so I pretty much went the whole summer without drinking I did the surgery I recovered and I just started to have all this clarity on not wanting to drink anymore. How much better I felt, even though I was in pain, <laughs> I still felt better than when I was drinking. Yes.
0: Pain is so different than the shame spiral that comes with drinking, right? And just the self-doubt and like the, the awful uh, not being able to trust yourself and, and all the stuff that we talk about. It's like, give me any, uh, break my shoulder. I would rather feel that.
1: Right. Yes. Yes, exactly. Right. It's just like, so it really, and I just started to notice too, like, you know, my kids are older, they're 12 and 15. So there was also that kind of like feeling that they didn't need me as much. And at night they didn't care. They were off doing their own thing. So, you know, but I just could tell when I wasn't drinking that they liked it better. I could just tell they didn't have to say anything, but so, but I still was kind of like, okay, well, I'm not going to totally stop drinking. I'll just only drink like on social situations or whatever. And so that kind of went on from October until February where I wouldn't drink for weeks and then we'd have some kind of get together social thing. And then I would drink, but then I would drink too much and I would be hung over and I'd be so mad at myself. And I would be like, it would be the whole shame spiral all over again for weeks on end. And towards the end, I started to get to the point, I didn't even want to drink anymore. I just did it because I felt like I had to. It was like, looking back on it, it's so stupid, but we'd be getting ready to go out. And I would like say something to my husband, like, oh, I don't know if I should drink tonight. Like, I don't want to drink, but I felt like I had to. Or, like, my whole social life would be over. I would be boring, you know, all the things that you think are going to happen. So, I would pretty much just like force myself into it. And after the first drink or two, then I wouldn't care anymore. It's just like, it's so stupid. It was like I was drinking for other people. So, and then on my husband, it was my husband's 40th birthday, February 3rd, and we went out and. I woke up the next day hungover and I was just like, that's it. I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. That was like kind of the final straw for me. So, and I haven't had a drink since then. Wow. So, a little over six months now. Yeah. That's
0: incredible. I love your story because it's, it just really highlights that moderation piece. Right. And that so many of the times it's essential to go through that you, you don't just go from drinking covid drinking and then waking up one day and then stopping like that is pretty rare it's instead we're going to set these guidelines and the guardrails and we're going to ease off and then we're but it's social and so then we're right and all of this stuff leading up to it until and everyone is like well when do i know and i'm always like you will know
1: you'll know yeah when you're finally ready to be like this is it and it is
0: not stupid You know, you could have said it was stupid, but I was at the end you were you were drinking for other people. That is not stupid because that is so much of what it is. Because we're afraid of what our friends will think. We're afraid of what they will say. We're afraid if we're gonna be left out. We want to be connected. You know, there's so much more that goes into just like, well, I'm I'm drinking for other people. It's like, no, you're drinking because you want to be accepted and connected. Like, and those are two very essential human feelings and emotions like that we need. Yeah. How did not drinking affect your social life?
1: I mean, it's definitely changed it. I'm not going to lie. I mean, you have people will say they're happy for you or good for you, but it, it changes the way that they act around you. Like people will either, well, certain people will either not invite you or if you are around, they'll feel like they can't drink, even though I don't yeah. care. You know, it's different, but you know, I'm okay with that because one of the things I think, and I know other people have said this too, is that, you know, it was kind of like the the going out and the drinking and the partying. It's like, I don't even really enjoy that. You know, I mean, I've totally, I feel like I've outgrown it. I was just doing it because, you know, it's just sort of what I had always done. And, you now that I've been able to take a step back from it, I don't even really like doing that. So you know, I still have like a few friends that you know we can go on hikes, we can go out for coffee, you can go do pedicures, you can do other things. And if we're out with people, I don't care if other people are drinking; it doesn't bother me. But I also don't really like being out around drunk people. Totally. Anymore you get to a point where you're like, okay, I've had enough of this. Yeah. I'm ready to go yeah, you're home like, now.
0: <laughs> oh, I think I was just drinking and, and not realizing that this wasn't fun because the drinking was just making me care less that it wasn't fun.
1: Right. Right. Exactly. And I feel like, you know, now I just I really just like spending time with the kids and my family and stuff too, where it's like, I just want to put the focus more on that. You know, you only have so much time with them left. They're getting older and they don't always want to, you know, hang out with me anyways, but when they do, I'll take it. (laughs) You know, it's like, you know, and I can just tell, you know, a difference in them. I just think they really like it. They, you know, I always want to be the same for them and right up at the very end of my drinking before I totally stopped, they were watching the Simpsons. Bart was like hanging out with Ned and wanted him to be his dad. (laughs) And he said, I just want a dad that's the same at night as he is in the morning. And it's like, because, you know, Homer's always drunk at night. And it was just like that, that quote was like, yes, like, yes, because... I felt like I was being this double person, almost like all I ever wanted was to have kids and I feel like I'm being this great mom all day. But then at night you're having these drinks and even if you're not drunk, you just change and they they can sense it and they don't feel the same. And so they just want a parent that, that they can trust and that is the same in the morning and, and at night. <laughs> so they know they can always come to me, always. Yes. Isn't it, isn't it the best feeling? Like it's
0: the best, not yes. only is it the best feeling for them, but it's also the best feeling for us, like to
1: be that. Yeah. Yes. And it's like, I just feel like my most authentic self that I've ever been. Like since I was a kid, I just feel like such a different person. Like I can just be myself now, you know? It's like the alcohol was always clouding that and it creates so much insecurity in you yes
0: oh my gosh I love your story it's
1: been the best thing ever
0: I love it so much (laughs) and and as far as the social aspect like I will say you're kind of in the hard spot of you know not quite fitting in with the old friends who are still drinking or not old but you know the friends who are still drinking and then not yet fully realizing like new friendships in sobriety but that will come too Like, way leads on to way with everyone if you're connecting online and then you meet up, you know, and then like new friendships will form or your other friends will be like, you know, who knows? They might reach out to you. You're their soft place to land of like, hey, you know, tell me about sobriety. So there's that growing pain part of the social life. But sobriety, I promise you to everyone listening, does not mean death to your social life.
1: No. And I. And I'm working on making the new friends and, you know, it's nice when you meet new people that didn't know you as the drinking yes.
0: person which isn't that funny and then like i always talk about that with audrey and i'm like i cannot picture you having a shower beer like i cannot like i can't yeah like it doesn't <laughs> compute to yeah. <laughs> me and she was like oh i'm i'm like known for the shower beer and i'm like i don't understand that like i can't <laughs> it's like two different people and that's pretty refreshing that we can still do this in our 30s and 40s and and beyond you know Yeah. Oh, my God. Melissa, I'm so glad. I'm so glad you shared your story. Your story is going to help. It's going to help so many women because it is it's that moderation piece that is so important sometimes. And so often I think it can be framed as like a quote unquote failure or whatever when it's so not when it's so just like the building blocks of what will be a glorious and wonderful sobriety.
1: It's just that it's the, the different mindset, I think, when you try to stop and you're just kind of pushing through. We're now, once I made that decision on in February to stop, I've never even had a desire to drink. It's a different mindset. Like, I don't want to drink yes, anymore.
0: It is. It's, it's a shift in perspective. Like, that's what it is. And you are just well on your way. I'm so proud of you.
1: Well, thank you so much. And thank you for all you do. I love all you do with the advertising and pointing all that stuff out. I mean, that's all just stuff that most people don't know. Well, thank you. All right. Thanks. Nice talking to you. Thanks. (laughs) You too.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the sober mom life. If you loved it, please rate and review it wherever you listen. Five stars is amazing. Also follow me on Instagram at the sober mom life. Okay. Okay. I'll see you next week. I'm going to go reheat my coffee. Bye. Oh, hey, it's Erin. And I'm Michaela, And we're the hosts of the Two Sober Girls podcast. And we are on a mission to spill the wild truth about sobriety. Forget the rosé all day cliche. Sobriety is flipping amazing. Absolutely. It's not just about quitting the drink. It's a gift you give yourself and your loved ones. So what are you waiting for? Break up with that old toxic relationship with alcohol and let us show you the possibilities. And here's the thing. Everything your precious heart desires becomes way easier without the influence of alcohol. We're not just Two Sober Girls, we're also wellness coaches. We're here to show you how to optimize health, lifestyle, and beauty, feel sexy, and alive as F. So stay tuned because we're rolling out new episodes every Monday, wherever you get your podcasts and trust us. They have your name written all over them. We can't wait to share the magic of sobriety and wellness with you. Subscribe to Two Sober Girls podcast today and come
1: follow us on Instagram for behind the scenes action and send us a DM. We can't wait to meet you.